And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome back. I'm Dane Brugler, joined as always by NFL.com's Lance Zerline. This is the Athletic Football Show, our midweek NFL Draft Edition. And on today's show, we're going to put a bow on the Senior Bowl, kind of share our final thoughts, uh, what we learned, what NFL teams thought, uh, the buzz uh, as we left Mobile uh, after a great week. Uh, And then we have a conversation with Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter, uh, who will be one of the first five quarterbacks drafted in April uh you know could be could be a first round pick could be starting NFL games uh here in uh you know eight months or so so plenty to cover with him but first Lance let's uh first it was great to see you in person by the way first time in almost two years because of this God, pandemic. No. Uh, was there plenty of uh, ice waiting for you when you go back to Houston <laughs> no actually I, I I got out I uh I got my my plane instead of the 440 flight, I moved it up to like 1145, and then uh, they ended up canceling the 440. So the move was a smart move by me. I beat the uh, the weather uh, cancellations for the flight. Um, no, not really ice. We didn't have the rain uh, come at the same time as as the freezing weather. So we we got out of that uh, in a little better shape than than we expected. So we're happy for that. No, that's good. Uh, it's uh, uh, this time of year. You just don't know what to expect. And Mobile, it was, it was a rainy week, but uh, for the most part, we had you know decent weather temperature wise. So that was nice. Uh, but in terms of the on-field stuff, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, we're going to do a, a segment where we just kind of fill in the blank. Uh, I've got a couple questions here and we'll get both of our reactions. Uh, so first up, the senior bowl player who was physically in Mobile, the senior bowl player who will be drafted first in April is blank. 
So I'm coming at you right yeah. away with the you know the big question. Uh, the first Senior Bowl player who will be drafted in April will be who? Jermaine Johnson. Okay, I, and that, that was my answer as well. So no, uh, I I wondered if maybe you would uh, give a surprise and maybe go Malik Willis or one of these quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett. Because uh, that's certainly a possibility when you just talk about. I take you know what I take it back. Okay, I actually my first mock draft that is going to. Um, although if you made me put if you gave me a ten thousand dollar chip and the NFL would actually allow me uh-huh. to place the wager, but of course I I follow Roger Goodell's rules very <laughs> stringently. Um, but if I uh, if I was allowed to do it, I'd probably say Jermaine Johnson. I do think he's going to be a riser. My first mock draft on NFL.com just came out as we are um, doing this podcast, and I have Kenny Pickett at 11 to Washington. I have Jermaine Johnson 13 to the Browns. So technically, I have Pickett ahead of um, Jermaine Johnson, but I will tell you, I dropped Kenny Pickett a little bit after the Senior Bowl in my own personal ratings. I just don't have the same level of confidence in him that I do in Jermaine Johnson, but you know how drafts are, I mean, and especially mock drafts. Early on, you start really locking in on needs and, and you take fewer. Sometimes you'll take a few less chances. You really stay needs heavy with how you're going to place these players. And uh, Washington needs a quarterback. And I was just like, you know what, I'll throw. I don't know if they're all in on Kenny Pickett, but I'll throw Kenny Pickett in here. I still think he is um, a talented quarterback. I think he had a good year. I just I have a feeling Jermaine Johnson, when it's all said and done, Wind up getting drafted higher than Kenny Pickett, and 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 Malik Willis for that matter, who was also yeah. at the uh, at the game. Yeah, and, and I think that all makes sense. Um, and, and I talk. I asked, uh, what was this Friday, last Friday or something like that? I, I texted a scout and I said, "Hey, power rank uh, the quarterbacks in terms of most impressive interviews." And he said he, he replied very simply, "Pickett, Gap, everybody else." Um, and I, I don't think that means that necessarily the other quarterbacks were below average um, in their interviews by any means. Um, he didn't expand on it. So, um, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but I think it just points to Kenny Pickett. And one of the strengths that he offers is he's just, he's played a lot of football. Uh, you know, he's seen a lot in terms of what defenses are throwing at you. Um, he knows where to go with the football. Um, and he's just a lot more comfortable uh, during live action. And so, if there's a starter uh, week one in this quarterback class, you know, I think we've talked about it before, it's Kenny Pickett. And for a lot of teams, that holds value more so than the high upside quarterback, which I think we would both agree that that would be Malik Willis, the guy that has uh, a lot of traits that you would love to develop. But the question that becomes tough is where is the appropriate uh, spot to draft him? You know, where is it where it's not too early? But it's still a safe spot where you know you're not mortgaging the future. Like it, that's the question with Malik Willis because there's still questions about. And I'm kind of surprised a little bit about the hype um, because I mean he showed a big arm and he showed athleticism. We knew that already, you know. Like I, yeah, I, the I hype think- was out of control. The, this yeah. is this is the Friday of the senior for, of the Senior Bowl week practices is is when the hyperbole train starts up. And right. and I was talking to some scouts and actually a couple of agents who are like, it's weird that the hype train was so hot for Malik Willis because he was, you know, pretty good. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. thought he had flashes. I spotlight, yep. I, I, I put him in the spotlight on day one because of a throw he made um, on the move. He scrambled right. He threw across his body to uh, uh, Bellinger 
the tight end from San Diego State, and I was like, man, that is, that's a pro-style throw. Then he had another play where he scrambled out of the way and, uh, and ended up beating the, the pursuit to the edge. These are things that I'm going to see in an NFL game. That's why I pointed it out. But in general, I didn't think there were any quarterbacks that made me go, wow. Mm -hmm. And yet the hype train on, on Malik Willis in some circles was, uh, I thought, a little – a little much based on what we saw. Uh, but I, this is going to happen throughout the process. You'll have some players who who start to catch a lot of heat moving forward. You'll have others that get cooled down. Um, I am curious, like, I'll tell you somebody who's – and this is kind of off script a little bit, but I was watching uh, Logan Bruss, who I actually think is a pretty good player from Wisconsin. I was pretty impressed with him. I just wrote him up. But I was watching him against um, – in his reps against Aiden Hutchinson. Mm. I think we're all a little too down on Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson's a good player. He's strong. Oh, yeah. He gets rid of blocks quickly. And, I mean, people aren't down, down on him. But I oh. I think there is – Yeah, I mean, I think there's maybe just – it's become a little bit too dismissive about a, a player who has that level of flexibility and power and strength and competitive nature – and he's a good player. I don't think he's a Watt brother or a Bosa brother, no. but I do think he's a good football player who people have just kind of, for whatever reason, have just kind of, I think because he was the hot name for the second half of the year that you kind of look for, well, who's another guy? Who's the other guy? Thibodeau has, has fallen off in terms of the excitement level for him. Hutchinson, the excitement level has trailed off for him, but, uh, I, something I want to ask you about is the hand measurement for Kenny Pickett or the non-hand measurement. So this is once again gets to the NFL evaluators versus maybe draft Twitter or media draft or just fans. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people will kind of poo-poo the, the whole hand thing and Joe Burrow famously made fun of it. And he's, he's been just fine. Um, Kenny Pickett did have, I believe, 26 fumbles during his career. I think it was 9, 7, 7, and 3 over a four-year span. He had a lot of fumbles, over 20 fumbles. Yep. What are your thoughts? I, I know NFL teams do care about hand size for quarterbacks. It is a thing for them. It's real. Sure. They care about arm size on tackles. You can make fun of it. You can downplay it. But it, it is a thing for a lot of teams. What are your? What did you think about Kenny Pickett? refusing to have his hands measured did it matter to you well f first i think it's silly just because we know he has small hands like it's not like if i'm him i'm doing i'm getting the hand measurement out of the way and it'll be talked about and then moving on now we're still talking about it and guess what we're going to talk about it at the combine when he actually gets his hand measured so instead of you know us, what his hand measurement was you've probably got it too yeah this eight spring and eight and a quarter this this yeah. spring right and so even if even if he's able to stretch out a little more and he gets to eight and a half or eight and three quarters. You know what? He's still below the threshold. And again, I, I, he has small hands. There's no way around it. And so if he didn't, he wouldn't be wearing the gloves. So get, get it out of the way, get your hand measured and rip the bandaid off. And now instead of doing that, we're going to be not necessarily we, but just everybody in general will be talking about his hand size through at the combine, assuming that he gets it measured there and it'll it'll remain a topic and so it, it's just it, it is something that is it could be taken 
a little too far at times, but it is relevant. It is something that matters. Um, and it will matter more to some teams than others. Some teams will look at it and say, you know what, I don't, I, I, I the fumbles, I actually, I've, I've got down 38 career fumbles for him. So it's, it, it's oh, something okay. that it, it shows up, uh, but I think as a passer, it didn't necessarily show up a ton uh, as a uh, as a senior on a senior tape. If you watch a senior tape, you don't walk away and you know nothing about his measurements. I don't think you walk away saying, "Oh wow, he must have tiny hands." Or you know, no. like I, it just it wasn't something that really affected his play as a passer. Um, now, again, because it is be- below the threshold for several teams, that will be a factor. But I, I do think that. Uh, it won't be as much a factor for some other teams, the way to look at it. So to put it in perspective, Dane, the average hand size, now this is about three years old, but the average hand size for a starting quarterback is nine and five eighths. Uh, For this particular team, their threshold of what they don't really want to go over is nine and a quarter. I mean, under, they don't Uh want to go under nine and a quarter. This is eight and a quarter. That's, that's a pretty substantial difference. So, Joe I do Burrow think, was nine on, on the dot. So, yeah, you know, he was he, nine. He was close. It wasn't but, but, a, a, but as nine much and eight. I mean, that's a that's, that's a, a big, big yeah, difference. And so absolutely. if he would have done this now, you're right. This it would have become a narrative and a talking point right now would have become a conversation right now. But then by the combine, it would have been a follow up point that right. people would have commented on going into the quarterback day. Now it's going to become the primary talking point um, for for some of the broadcasts. So. Just, just something to, to ask about because I was surprised he didn't measure. I mean, it, he's going to have to at some point. It's already mm-hmm. happened last right. spring, so I was just a little surprised. Yeah, the double-jointed thing. Like, come on, get out of here. Come on. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, the best meal you had in Mobile was blank. Mm. Um, I Actually, it was at uh, Dumbwaiter. I, okay. t- I take it back. Never had no, that. I take it back. It was dumbwaiter was really, really good. It was actually actually Felix Fish Camp. Yeah, that's that's uh, how I was gonna go with too. Had beefsteak, which is an off the Ooh. item. It's an off the menu item. It's a fillet with a crab cake on top, a fried green tomato, and then crab meat over the top of that, like an Oscar sauce. Oh, it's wow. Dusty Stanfield is the one who hit me to that one. That's the off the off the menu item. The whole table. Boom. As soon as he ordered it. And talked about what it was, the whole table, bang, across the board. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I had I had a, a fillet with a uh, fish fillet with crab stuffed inside, and I had I had to go with the crab soup. Uh, they have good mac and cheese as well. So that was uh, same place. Yeah, Felix's gets my vote as well. That was that was the best meal I had uh, all, all week. So yeah, we're, we're a consensus there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, 
Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, the player who theoretically moved up the most in your mind, based on what you thought coming in, or based on what how you think or know how teams viewed them, who do you think moved up the most uh, from before Senior Bowl week until now? Uh, I would say a couple of guys. I think uh, I think Cole Strange... The Tennessee Chattanooga Center really. I, I didn't talk to an evaluator who didn't have something positive to say about him. He battled, um, man. He really did. He, you know, he wears no gloves. He's got a single bar face mask. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and in full disclosure, my my dad is working with him on some technique stuff, and just he's he he worked with him for a little bit, and he just said he's a different kind of guy. He's a throwback type of player. But I was um I was really impressed with how strong he played. Now he's got great lean mass. Like he's a, he's a powerful, strong guy, but it's kind of a, it's not a a thick frame. It's not a thick bone frame. And so when he was able to hold up at the point of attack against uh, some much bigger players who were lined up over him, I was, I was pretty impressed, but I think Devontae Wyatt for me and Mm -hmm. uh, Kingsley uh, and a Gabare who we talked about on the last podcast, but Devontae Wyatt, Man, I, I liked him on tape. I liked him fine. But, you know, you, you get overwhelmed by how many players Georgia has. And I thought – and I wrote him up last year because I thought he was coming out. This year I gave him a higher grade. But really, I liked him. But after watching him throughout the week, he was just on a different level from the other guys as, as an interior player. Just so much quicker. Hands and feet are completely synced together. He knows how to get to an edge quickly. He knows how to exploit it and get inside the gap and be disruptive. And uh, I, I just I had to end up putting him in the first round of my mock draft because he is going to be a disruptive one-gapping three technique, and those players still have a lot of value. No doubt. And it wasn't just linear quickness. It was agility. It was, you know, just he showed all the different ways that he can beat blockers um, uh, he has a bull rush to him, so he he can generate power at the point of attack. Um, I I think that it is a legitimate question to ask who will be the first Georgia defensive tackle drafted. I think that is a fair. I mean, they're obviously two different, very different styles of player. He's a two way player. He's a three down yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, and that's not something you can say about Jordan Davis. So, uh, but can it's, Jordan Davis? be a pocket pusher. I feel like he can be a guy that pushes pocket um, or really would help with a scheme. Now, I know it's highly unlikely. I mean, everyone goes to sub packages, but, you know, he's going to require two blockers at all times, all yes. the time. So if you if you know that going in and you utilize him in that regard, I think it really opens up 
a lot of uh, blitz packages as well and some things that you can do to to scheme to 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 maybe have Jordan Davis aligned as a, as a one technique on one side and on the other side you're over giving them an overload look from a blitz standpoint how are you going to handle your t- protection then I mean are you are you sliding in a direction are you going to slide to the overload which more than likely you're going to do what happens to the a gap on the other side of of Jordan Davis I just I think he creates a conundrum for offensive coordinators and run blocking coordinators in general and offensive line coaches in general because he just has such rare size power and relative athleticism and what you want to see as you know Dane is a lot of times guys are much more athletic 20 21 22 they get a little bit bigger the joints start to you know it takes Mm -hmm. a toll on the joints and then guys can get a little heavy-legged fairly quickly in the league I want to see how long Jordan Davis can remain, you know, a relatively athletic, really big dude. Well, and I think my biggest question there with Davis is, can he do it with more snaps? I mean, he averaged 22 snaps per game this past season for Georgia, which was uh, a pretty big decline from what we saw on his junior tape. And I think that was the biggest difference is he, he was able to stay fresh. And so if you ask him to play more snaps, is he still going to be able to give you that high level of play and that's why I worry that he is strictly going to be a two-down player or, you know, a guy that uh, – and he's going to be a really good one, you know, a really, really dominant run defender. But if you ask him to play more snaps, is that going to take away from his effectiveness uh, and you just get kind of a a guy that's is good but not what you're expecting out of uh, – if you draft him in the top 20, top 25. So I, I, he remains a – a little bit of a polarizing player. He won't be for everybody, but I still think he's going to go somewhere top 25. Uh, my For my answer, I'm going Travis Jones, UConn, defense tackle, nose tackle. Um, I, I, I Coming in, I thought he was kind of like in the third round mix, and now I would I, – I, he has a good chance to go top 40, top 50, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. I, I think that you know nose tackles that are that big and that strong – um, just are, are they're a rarity, and, you know. And he he's the guy. If you don't feel comfortable taking Jordan Davis in the first round, Travis Jones is the guy that you target in the second round. Um, and the, the Jets uh, coaching staff really worked uh, with him a lot on his move to move transitions, and you know just the, the different ways that he can unlock all of his skills. But it's there, and so he needs some you know continued coaching. Uh, I mean, you get to factor in this guy had. 21 months between games because UConn canceled their the 2020 season. So he went hit a 21 month layoff uh, from game to game, and the uh, you know there, there's a lot of uh, untapped potential there. I think with Travis Jones, and he's a pretty good player uh, right now. So uh, that would be my answer. Uh, I, that common theme: defensive line uh, pretty much dominated. And we even mentioned Perion Winfrey, who uh, you know the game itself, the Senior Bowl game, doesn't matter as much as the practices. But credit to Perry and Winfrey, credit to the guy who tore it up during the week of practice and then in the game was senior bowl MVP with what three tackles for loss, two sacks. So, you know, even though the game doesn't matter as much from an evaluation uh, purposes uh, as the practices, give credit to Winfrey for showing up, continuing that energy all week. There's I thought there was a few. You make a good point there. Winfrey's one in uh, Igbare uh, yeah. Jones. You're 100 percent right on him. There were there were quite a few defensive linemen I thought who really helped themselves without question. Um, flip side of that is offensive line made me 
reevaluate some of these guys and just take a look at my own grades to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is, and I need to get through all the practice tape again, but I, I really am interested to see how combine works out for some of these guys too, because well, but the offensive, I thought the tackles, frankly, I thought Penning and Raymond, yeah, I was hoping that they would really stand out, but um, it, there, there wasn't a lot of standout offensive linemen. I didn't think. Well, and that, that kind of goes with my last question here. Uh, the biggest disappointment for you based off of practice and the game uh, was blank. And I, and I think, you know, with what you just said with offensive offensive linemen, especially the offensive tackles, I think that's the position. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I agree. And, you know, it's tough for offensive linemen in that type of setting where, you know, you're you're playing defense and there's it's just not a typical game setting. Um, I For my answer, I'm going with tight ends. You know, I, I thought the tight end group is such a deep group this year, but I, I don't know. I just wasn't blown away with the tight ends that we had here at Mobile for the week. Um, I Trey McBride's a good player, but I don't know. I, I just struggle with him as a as a top 40 type of guy. Um, I just don't see him as that caliber of player. Um, I think Jeremy Ruckert's a good player, but unfortunately he didn't practice the third day and he couldn't play in the game. Um you know, guys like Cole Turner didn't really, uh, you know, do that much for me. So I, the tight ends as a whole, I was kind of let down a little bit by. Yeah, it's a deep group, as you mentioned. Um, and sometimes at Senior Bowl, you just don't get a great feel for a position group. They just don't they just don't pop. I still think it's a pretty deep group. But yeah, Trey McBride, watching how small he felt next to some of the other tight ends, I thought uh, the kid from, from UCLA helped himself. Yeah. Uh, played Dulcich. fast, played explosive. Yeah, I, I kind of liked him. Um, I ended up moving him up a little bit from where I originally had him graded. You know, a guy who didn't make the senior bowl that I'm a big fan of is uh, John Fitzpatrick. But but Georgia. he's a he's basically going to be a wide tight end, Who although I thought he's a better athlete on tape when given a chance. But you get lost in the Georgia tight end shuffle a little bit, but he's a really good blocker on tape. And sometimes I wonder – you know how hard it is for Jim Nagy to to want to take a Y yeah. tight end, an inline tight end, because they're not going to be as sexy. But there is run blocking, and Jim is a pro, so he clearly understands uh, the dual threat. You know the dual nature of the position. At least you hope to have a dual nature of the position. But it's also, you know, it's also a passing league, and I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there there is. It, it's a little easier to default to a guy who's caught a lot of passes and has been very productive, as opposed to a guy who helped to open up the running game against Auburn, for example, mm-hmm. which Fitz, Fitzpatrick did. But I've been a big uh, Fitzpatrick guy for a while, and uh, I was kind of hoping he would make it to the Senior Bowl. But it's a like well, said, he was a junior a, though, so I don't know if he was eligible or not. Was he a true junior or I, I a fourth year junior? I, yeah, I, I don't know if he was. I think they were looking at him at one point. Because I think okay, he well, played in the East-West game. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, I think he may have been in one of those uh, one of those other games. So he's just kind of a – I know he did, he's not senior bowl, but he's a guy that people need to get to know because blocking yeah. still matters to a lot of teams, especially to teams like the San Francisco 49ers and now I would assume the Miami Dolphins with Mike McDaniel going over there. You like guys who can block, who can also get out in patterns. It's, yep. it's just easier to uh, – it's it makes you harder to to defend. It makes you harder as an offense to uh, um, it makes it much harder to put 
specialized personnel groupings if you can block. That's why teams prefer got you know pass catching tight ends that can block a little bit because right. you don't have to dumb down your offensive scheme. You can you can go out there with two tight ends, three tight ends, and three tight ends for Kyle Shanahan is a passing personnel grouping. Hmm. It doesn't look like it, but I promise you he's getting ready to exploit you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that's uh, and that's why a player like uh, like Cole Turner, you know, I kind of struggled with because I just don't, you know, seeing how lean he is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he can he can give you targets down the seam. I mean, I, I really like him at the catch point. Um, I his catch radius is pretty impressive, but you know, he's he's a one dimensional tight end, and that's uh, that, that that could be tough for a lot of. So teams. let me ask you a question: What's the difference then between Jordan's? We just talked about Jordan Smith, and a guy like uh, you just mentioned, Cole Turner, right? Mm-hmm. They're both one dimensional. You can only use them on certain downs. Whenever you have players like that, those are the guys I think who end up you they become they're almost specialists. I don't want to say they're luxury items, but if you if you don't block well enough that you can play on the early downs or if you can't rush the passer at all, it does have an impact on the way teams view your ability to have an impact on the game. Well, it all comes down to impact potential. You know, what is your impact potential? And that that's a different, the answer to that is different for every team. So, you know, a guy like Jordan Davis, who is a, a big time uh, run defender and a guy that is going to two gap for you and make an impact. If that's what your defense sorely needs, then his impact potential is going to be a little bit higher than maybe right. a defense that's you know wants to be more mobile and you know uh, you know, get more pass rush from the interior, uh, especially on early downs. And so you know it's just it, it's I think it's different from the team to team. It depends on what the impact potential is for. I mean, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan and his offense and how obviously they use tight ends compared to uh, a different uh, style of offense. So it, you know impact potential is different from team to team when you look schematically and you look at what the this what these uh, prospects do and the strengths of their games. And division matters too. So when you put together your mock draft, take a look at who's inside the division because yeah. if you've got, you know, if you're want to put a center somewhere, you can't put Tyler Lindenbaum on a team where there's a bunch of 3-4 heavy nose tackles who are just, you know, going to be right there over the top of them. It's it's just it's not something teams typically do. So you have to look at if you've got a run heavy, um, if you've got a team that really runs the ball well, like like the Tennessee Titans, for example, and you're Jacksonville or the Texans or, you know, whoever, they might really view um, Jordan Davis, for example, who is a run plugger and he is a stump grinder. All of a sudden their value is, hey, we've got to face, you know, Derrick Henry Let's throw this guy in the middle because we see them twice a year and we see Jonathan Taylor twice a year. All of a sudden, Jordan Davis has substantially more value uh, against a team like the in a division like the AFC South where you've got the Colts offensive line and you've got the Tennessee Titans running game. It it matters. So Mm -hmm. always think of that also when you're putting a, um, a mock draft together. No question. Um, all right, so I think that's a good way to kind of end the Senior Bowl. Uh, another good year. Uh, you know, credit to Jim Nagy and his staff for uh, what what they've done the last like four years now. Um, just really, really outstanding. Um, I think it gets better every year, which is great news for for us uh, as you know on the outside looking in as evaluators, but also for you know fans and just people that like football. So uh, for more. 
Senior Bowl coverage for uh, Lance's first mock draft. Go to NFL.com. Uh, you can read my stuff over at The Athletic. I've got uh, my uh, updated Top 100 coming out uh, early next week, probably Tuesday, so look for that. Uh, but for now, let's get to our conversation with Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Awesome to bring in Desmond Ritter, uh, former quarterback at Cincinnati and one of the top quarterbacks in this draft, fresh off a productive week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, first off, uh, former quarterback at Cincinnati, that has to sound a little strange, right? How is it putting that Bearcats uh, helmet on one final time at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, no, it definitely feels strange. You know, the the, as the amount of time I was there, which was, you know, four and a half, five years, um, it was, a, you know, about a quarter of my life at that point, so... You know, a lot of met a lot of good friends, um, you know, a lot of good connections there that will last a lifetime. Um, but, you know, it was really just a, a, a blessing just to be able to go back out there and represent, you know, not only the, the University of Cincinnati, but, you know, almost the city of Clifton one last time for for all my be- uh, fellow Bearcats. Yeah, I, I thought you had a good week down there. I, I really appreciated how I thought you got better as the week went on, which is what you want to see. And so, something I think that a lot of fans are interested in. Uh, take me through a typical day in, in Mobile, you know, from when you wake up to you go to bed, all the steps in between. What was a typical day like for you at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, um, you know, it was it was definitely something that you can't really prepare for, um, you know, going out there through combine training and everything. Um, but, you know, when we got out there, we started with, you know, physicals and interviews and um, did a little a slight run conditioning, came back, had some meetings. Um, but that was the first day. But then a typical day would look like, you know, you wake up, breakfast is at six. Um, then you have, you know, a, 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 just a brief meeting right there before then you'd get your ankles taped. Um, then you'd have lunch around an early lunch around nine 30. Um, and then we'd leave for the, the practice facility around 10, 15. Um, we get there and, and practice would start at 1130 their time. Um, and we get done about one 30, um, two o'clock, head back to the, the hotel slash convention center, um, grab a quick snack and then, um, go straight to, you know, film meetings from watching the practice that we just had. And then those would go from about three to um, about five o'clock. And then right at five o'clock, we'd have dinner. And then um, at seven o'clock from seven to 12 um, in the morning, you know, we'd have uh, formal interviews with, you know, 16 teams. And we did that twice. Um, So, you know, those those four hour slotted interview times were definitely lengthy. And, uh, you know, it took a lot out of us. This is just a warm up, Desmond, for the combine. Wait until you get there and you see what a grind that is. Um, structure, it's interesting you just mentioned structure because I think you're built for structure. I don't think the senior bowl was probably too much. 
I don't think the uh, the combine is going to be too much. You're a four-year starter and a four-year winner at Cincinnati. Uh, Kenny Pickett's another guy who's a four-year starter. You guys have an advantage, I think, because you've been through that process. Can you talk for a second about the advantages that, that you found in terms of being able to be in a in the same system and, and play with the guys and have this much experience under your belt on the collegiate level as a quarterback? Yeah, I think you just, you know, kind of hit the uh, nail on the head right there and as experience. Um, and that's with learning a system, learning your offense, you know, learning the players around you. You know, it, it really started to click around year three and obviously last year, year four, um, where, you know, everything that I knew on the offense was, you know, to a T. Um, and, and, you know, almost everyone around me knew it as well as I did, too. Um, so, you know, being around the same system, around the same guys, the same coaches um, for four to five years, it definitely makes things run a lot smoother. Um, it makes, you know, just the whole program, you know, it, it makes it seem like, you know, we're out there winning and everything is easy. And, you know, we've had four great seasons put in a row. Um, and, you know, that's just what the outsiders see. And, um, you know, from the inside, it's all the hard work that we've put in, all the time that we've spent. Um, you know, going over those meetings, going over those installs, going over footwork, you know, that was just able to show on Saturdays. Yeah, I think that's something that really um, stood out to me was watching your tape. And I went back and I watched 19 and I watched 20 and then 21. And you could see the growth. You could see your comfort level inside the offense. Like I never had a feeling you didn't know where you wanted to go with the football. There was always and I don't know, was that your familiarity with the offense or was it? your familiarity with the defense and what defenses were trying to do with you? Yeah, so that was a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously my true freshman year, um, I ran scout team most of the time. So that was really just getting the speed of the game. And obviously, you know, understanding, you know, somewhat of our offense. Um, and then redshirt freshman year, obviously, is coming in as a starter. Um, you know, I had to know the whole offense. I wouldn't say down to a T, but, you know, I, I knew a grasp of it enough to go out there and play fast and play the type of game I wanted. Um, and then like redshirt sophomore year is okay. Let's really hone in on the what and the whys of the offense and, you know, why we want to do things um, against certain defenses. And then redshirt junior year is okay. Now you've got the offense down there, you know, there's nothing new, nothing's changing. Uh, maybe a little wrinkles here and there, but it was really okay. Let's, let's start to break down the defense. Let's start to understand the defense and, um, you know, understand why they do things against what we do. And then this past year is kind of putting everything together, you know, really seeing the offense, really seeing the defense and, like I said, you know, understanding, you know, why we want to run certain plays against a certain defense and why we don't. And going back to the senior bowl, you know, you had a chance to work side by side with some of these other quarterbacks in the draft. And was it ever like, uh, you know, you felt pressure like, oh, that was a great throw from from Pickett. I need to come back and do the same. Is it Was it hard not to compare yourself to the other quarterbacks that were there? No, um, like I said out there, we knew that, you know, it's a competition, even though we're on the same team, um, we're all competing for that number one spot. So, you know, when we're on the field, um, it, it's always competition, but it's a friendly competition. And that, that's the best type of competition because at the end of the day, um, you know, all three of us are on our team, Carson, Kenny and myself, um, we were going to get better from it. So, you know, it wasn't like anyone had to match a certain throw or do something better than anyone else. Um, you know, rather than kind of, you know, obviously congratulating everyone on, you know, the throws that they made and then coming back and, you know, making a good throw, if not a better throw. I hear nothing but, you know, uh, great things about Coach Fickle and the way he runs that program. Um, but obviously getting some NFL coaching had to have been just a little bit different. Uh, what, what was that like being coached by the Jets staff and, uh, you know, just their their instruction, 
you know, what 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 was the point of emphasis? Uh, what was that week like for you getting coached by uh, NFL coaches? Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, kind of see the way that they break it down a little more, maybe in depth. Um, you know, not too much in depth, but you know, other than that, it, it was almost the same type um, relationship that, as far as you know, with my quarterback coach, Coach Rob. Um, for the Jets and then you know the kind of the relationship that coach Gino at, at Cincinnati and I had um, where it was free open you know willing to talk um, willing to meet you know after hours you know whenever we're not having meetings and um, just you know going out there on the field and whenever questions need to be asked answering questions um, you know never expecting too much of you but expecting you to do you know what your job is um, and to know your job um, but you know obviously there's going to be mistakes there's going to be bumps there's going to be wrinkles in the road um, and they know that so, you know, when, when those did come, um, they were there and, and provided support for all of us, um, you know, no matter what we were going through. And, you know, that's kind of the same how it was at Cincinnati. Um, so, you know, there, there really wasn't much of a difference. Um, I'm not saying, you know, Cincinnati, I mean, Cincinnati obviously has great coaches. I'm not saying that they're not to the NFL level or anything, but um, there really wasn't a difference between the two. Yeah, it's obviously a different game to the college and, and, and pro game. You know, you talked about a lot of the mental stuff and the preparation and the time that put in that you put in, which clearly shows up on tape. Because like I said before, you, you know where you want to get with the football. You know how to get it there. I'm curious about the physical stuff. Um, I When I wrote you up, I wrote machine-like mechanics and footwork. And that's one thing that really impressed me is the repeatable process. Where did, where did that come from? Where does that come from uh, in terms of how you developed it, when you developed it, your emphasis on it? Because you have a very repeatable process, and that includes throwing on platform way more than off platform, which a lot of college quarterbacks like to default to. Yeah, I know. I think it was, you know, going into um, my redshirt junior year. So after my redshirt sophomore year, you know, Coach Gino and I kind of sat down and broke the film down. Um, and, you know, whether it was the run game or, or the pass game, you know, he was, you know, one to make sure that everything looked the same um, in everything that we do. So if we were handing the ball off, we were handing the ball off the same way. If we were running the RPO, we were running the RPO the same way. Um, if we were to take a three-step drop, five-step drop, no matter what it was, um, that everything we did, you know, was the exact same. Um, and I think that just comes from repetition and making sure that everything um, done is, is done to perfection. Um, that's, you know, as a person, that's who I, I strive to be as a perfectionist. Um, so I would really say that, you know, I started working on that about right after the redshirt sophomore year season of just, you know, matching up everything to not make anything look different um, and not get anything out of routine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you strive to be a perfectionist, then you're very self-aware. Um, you have to be to be a perfectionist. Give me an example of things that you feel like you need to, uh, or areas of improvement that you need to work on or that you're currently working on since you are someone who self-studies and you want to be a perfectionist. Yeah, obviously, you, know, you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, being a perfectionist. And, you know, the number one way you can chart that is, you know, accuracy and completion percentage. Um, and, and I think that's where, you know, where I, I'm, I'm working and striving every day to get better at. And, you know, even though we just talked about it, but it starts with the feet. 
Um, as a quarterback, you know, it doesn't start with, you know, your arm motion or your upper body. It all starts from the ground. Um, so making sure that I'm really just stable there. Um, and, you know, out here working with Jordan Palmer and Mike White, they're doing a great job of making sure that, you know, like we just talked about, we're staying consistent day in and day out. Um, we're being able to, to build days upon days um, to, you know, like we kind of said, just be able to build a pattern and do the same thing over and over again without having to think about it. And along those lines, uh, something that, you know, I think I really appreciated about your game was how you how you would heat up in games, you know, especially the second halves. I'm thinking about that Notre Dame tape, especially, uh, you know, you really started to uh, lock in in that second half. There's a big reason why you guys won that game. So is that a case of you, you know, settling in uh, to a game where, you know, you start off uh, maybe a little up and down, but then you just really settle in as the game goes on, you get comfortable? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, maybe after a couple hits, you know, after me running the ball a couple of times, uh, you know, I kind of get used to the game, get a few throws in. Um, but yeah, it's definitely just the flow of the game um, and also momentum, you know, and, you know, just having great players around me making great plays. Um, it makes it a lot easier. Well, I can't can't talk about Cincinnati without talking about uh, some of your teammates, too, because uh, it, Cincinnati's going to be well represented uh, in the draft this year. And even on defense, what was it like going up against that defense every day in practice, especially uh, that secondary with Gardner and uh, Bryant and Cook? It's just a, a really, really good group of players. Uh, if you could give me just a you know, quick scouting report on those guys. Yeah, so one thing, excuse me, that we talked about, you know, almost throughout my entire career was, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's um, the best of the best going against the best of the best. Um, so, you know, every day it was it was a battle. Um, you would look out and you would see Alec Pierce and Ahmad Gardner line up from each other and shake each other's hand um, because they knew every rep that they went against each other was going to be a competition. Um, it was going to be a battle to see who won that day, who was better. Um, and then you look across the other side, and you know, Kobe's got his lockdown island. Um, and then Cook. Cook is just, you know, going through, hitting everything that moves and attacking the ball when it's in the air. Um, so, you know, it, it really just made me better, uh, made all our receivers better and made the team better as a whole. Um, because, you know, it, when we went out there on Saturdays, you know, we weren't seeing the, you know, the type of competition that we saw day in and day out, um, whether that was at practice, whether it was during spring ball or at camp. Um, so just being able to go against those guys, you know, grateful to have them on my team and have them on my side to be there for me and my team. Um, and like I said, you know, it just made us better and made everyone better. I was really impressed with uh, me, all three of those guys, but Cook was a, a, an eye opener for me. Um, watching him, and I know his story, he came from what Howard, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Watching his, I mean, he's got cover talent. Like you said, he'll hit anything that moves. Um, he's physical. I mean, he plays an NFL brand of football already at safety. He can play multiple safety spots. Um, I am curious, though, because so Dane and I watch a lot of tape. We watch a lot of prospects, write a lot of them up. It's almost criminal what happens to wide receivers on the collegiate level, the way they allow holding and grabbing. It's almost comical because you just – you realize, wait a minute, you cannot get away with that on the NFL level. Um, mm -hmm. How frustrating is that to see it and to, to experience it with a teammate like uh, like Alec Pierce and know that it's it works both ways. Your guys are going to be able to do the same thing, but it's going to throw off timing and rhythm sometime. How tough is that for you as a quarterback to keep your head down and play through some of the some of the no calls that you have to deal with out on the flanks? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a quarterback, if we're really worried about you know what's going on at the wide receiver and cornerback position as far from a referee standpoint, um, then you know we're kind of worried about the wrong things out there on the field. Um, so you know, I trusted in Alec, I trusted in Tyler Scott, Michael Young. 
um, Trey Tucker, those guys to go out and make plays for me every single week. Um, so, you know, when those no calls happen, you know, it might have been a flare of the arms or whatever it may be. Um, but then, you know, it's next play. And, you know, I'm going to come right back to him. It didn't matter that, you know, he might have just got a, a no holding call or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I trust those guys to go get the ball when the ball's in the air. Um, and they trust me to put it in the right spot. The game against Georgia that you guys had, you go in with a game plan and then you get behind. Um, talk about for you in terms of – because you guys did have some adversity in the middle of the year. I mean, you had a, a, a bullseye on your back and you're get, you're catching a lot of teams' best efforts. Um, what was that like to deal with that, diver, that adversity in that game, let's say, at halftime? Yeah. Um, Actually, you know, I think I said George. I meant – Alabama, sorry, the Alabama game. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at that time, you know, we were just talking about, you know, let's weather the storm, um, you know, make sure that it doesn't get out of hand and let's do our best, you know, put as many points as we can on the board. Um, you know, there were, there were some batted balls in there. that, And I think the really biggest thing for us um, was momentum. We could never get momentum going other than that first drive. Um, after that first drive, I think we had a couple three and outs. Um, and, and then, you know, like I said, we just couldn't get anything going. So it was really you know, we just had to pick up our tempo, pick up our pace and, um, you know, leave it out on, out on the line. And we knew we were going against, you know, so-called the goal and standard of college football. And, you know, every everyone, everyone on that team is going to play hard and play their best. So, I mean, when we went in the locker room at halftime, it was really just, you know, if we're going to go out here and win it, you know, we got to play our best in which we didn't do in the first half. Um, and, you know, it was sad to say, but we couldn't get done in the second half as well. Well, you know, I think was it was a 43 and six, I think was the final uh, win loss record with you as a starter. So uh, I, I know it didn't end the way you wanted, but I, I think that's uh, yeah, no other quarterback in this class has has your resume. So uh, Desmond, we really appreciate you uh, joining us today, taking some time. Good luck with your combine prep and then uh, throughout the rest of the process and then draft weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, make sure you're locked onto the Athletic Football Show feed. Robert Mays is bringing all kinds of good stuff from L.A. and the Super Bowl. Please rate, review, subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, my Top 100 drops next week, so a great time to have it. We'll talk to you next week. This was The Athletic Football Show.